This morning, we are going to continue in our study in Acts. We will be in chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is the word of our Lord. So just here we go. Uh, just in case you're wondering, there's a way to know whether or not you want to fight. And the answer is, if you are naked and wounded, you lost. Okay? Just got to change batteries now real quick. Like one comedian said, pants always beats no pants in a situation like that, okay? So if you're ever wondering. Um, and that's what this text is actually describing, is the difference between something that might look real and something that is real. We're all trying to find what's real. We, we, we desperately want something that matters, and none of us want to believe in fairy tales, or in things that just make us feel better? No, I want, just tell me the truth. Will you tell me the truth? Like there are some people that would rather you lie to them. It could make them feel better. But we all know that just, you keep doing that and you keep doing that. And I've built my life. Um, I built what I thought I could trust on something and it's just not true. And so all you're doing is delaying the disappointment. You want to know the truth? And, and most of us do. Most of us really do want to know the truth. And so we try to create um, a way of looking at the world, a way of understanding the world that brings meaning. And, and let me just say, there's absolutely nothing wrong, biblically speaking, there's nothing wrong with wanting your life to be better. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting your life in some sense. So I want you to hold on to this. But in, in a sense, there's nothing wrong for you wanting your life to be easier, for in fact, when God made the world in the very beginning, where there was no brokenness and there was no sin, like that's the world we long for, right? Why do we long for that world? Well, that's the world that we were made for. And so we know that like the brokenness in our relationships, the brokenness in our, in our, in our physical health, the brokenness in our financial situations, the brokenness in every aspect of their lives doesn't, it doesn't feel right. 
And so what do we do? We, we try to create a way or understand a way of, under, of, of, of working with the world that makes our lives, and let's just use this word so it's not kind of loaded with language, it just makes them better, okay? Makes them better. Now, I'm going to say something that might surprise you, but the more that I study both the world that we live in now, history, and then particularly the ancient world, the world in which the Bible came to us, I'm finding this to be increasingly true. That magic, you heard me right, not, not the David Copperfield, and then some of you are going, who's David Copperfield? Okay, David Blaine, and some of you are going, no, who's David Blaine? I don't know who the new, Chris, is it Chris Angel? And maybe he's not even the newest one, but you got the Vegas magic thing going on? I'm not, I'm not talking about that, actually. It, it has a much deeper and, and, and first, and I want to say, like a richer understanding historically, magic. The, the Greek word that is sometimes translated magic is this word, pharmacia. Pharmacia. It, it involves using drugs to help people with their pains and difficulties, to help people look at reality a little bit different. Boy, have things changed. Not at all. Magic. And religion. I'm going to use that word in a couple of ways today, but... When I'm talking about religion, here's what I mean. I just mean a way of understanding the world, the world that we live in, and, and then maybe even trying to understand like how we got here, uh, what is right and what is wrong, um, where do we go when we die? These are huge questions. And not just Christianity, but religion, a system of understanding ourselves and the world that we cannot see, or what happens when our lives end. And, and religion gives us a way of, of looking at that. I even think it's important for, for, for Christians to be really, really honest that there are those people in the world that don't share our religious convictions that are doing pretty well. I know some Christians have a hard time admitting that. You know, everybody that's walking around that's not a follower of Jesus Christ like, man, they are just miserable and they're not satisfied in any way. No, no, no. Many of them are fine. Many of them are actually, they're, they're doing well in life. So the Bible never says, until you find Jesus, you will just be miserable. No. The Bible actually warns that one of the worst things that can happen to you is for you to feel like everything is fine and it's not. Think about that. Man, I feel healthy. I feel everything is fine. Okay, great. I mean, I'm not asking you how you feel. I'm asking, have you seen a doctor lately? You see the difference? There's a big difference between everything feels fine and the doctor says, clean bill of health. And so there's been a lot of, of, of systems of religious thought, of religious expression. I'm actually fascinated by this that tries to help people have an understanding of the world, just like magic did. Magic, back then, and, and we'll see how much these really do have a lot in common, magic basically said, like, we can provide, like, there's this weird world where demons and angels live, and, and, and through the use of magic, and through the use of incantations, and through the use of, of these, what we now know of as, as, as drugs, can, can help you in your world. Like, you have an enemy? Well, we can cast a spell upon them. And, and there were people that were practicing magic, and they actually, like, were, 
uh, put in like a Roman jail for doing that because that's just not nice to cast spells on people because then such and such happened and you might look at that and go, yeah, but that's way back then. Yeah, but there's a sense in which we haven't really changed. Magic, religion. So what's wrong with the world? One, one religion says, you know, most of the brokenness that we're experiencing is an illusion. And, 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 and your ability to understand things is to rise above that which looks like the physical and to come into a, a newer state, a higher state, a greater state, in which you can begin to understand how these things, and it gives us a whole model for this. Some religions are very formalized, and they have like priests and books that we follow. And other religions are just, eh, it's a group of people that come together and go, hey, is this working for you? It's working for me too. There's a great religion that goes through American culture today, um, which is just do your best, try your hardest, and I can't imagine God being anything but pleased with you, kind of like a mom. Seriously. Yeah, preachers like Jim, like they just, they, they make too much of, of things in reality, like as long as you did your best. Remember that? Remember that when that became, I remember actually like being that age where I remember, can I just go tell my parents I tried my best and then they'll be okay with it? Oh yeah, that's what we're doing now. We had like, there was a kid meeting that happened and then we didn't tell our parents, but we got together and we said, hey, why don't we just tell our parents that we tried our best and uh, they'll go along with it. And so all us kids got together. We did this. Seriously, there was a huge gathering. And it was in Toronto. That's why you didn't hear about it. And we gathered together and we said, we're just going to tell our parents that we did our best and they're going to buy it. And then that crept into our religious thinking. Like, it's amazing how much you and I believe that the best of intentions, even though there's a statement about what good intentions lead, but as long as you, that's how we understand even religions. As long as each of these world religions, as long as they're doing their best, right? How many of us actually believe that? See how it crept into everything? Out of that little conference in Toronto years ago. By the way, don't Google it. I'm making it up, okay? I'm using it as an illustration. There is this, there is this mentality, and that's, I wouldn't say it's like a formal religious system, but it acts as a way of understanding the world. That intentions make it okay. Magic, religion, and science. Okay, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> now you're stepping on some toes. But listen, I'm not anti-science. You could ask my iPhone. I'm all for it. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was sharing with me the need for us to take responsibility for our lives, and I couldn't agree with him more. He said, you know, my mom and dad kind of have more of this tendency to uh, to, to, to jump into things and to leave it to God. And I really feel like there are responsibilities we have to make. And he used a great example. He said, like, you know, like, if I need gas for my car, I don't need to really pray about it. I just go put gas in my car. Right? How many of you do the same thing? You just go put gas in your car. I said, yeah, but let's just stop and think about it for a moment. Like, where did that gas come from? So there is this substance that comes out of the ground that has to be refined so that we can make this other substance so that when I put inside this engine, which I have no idea how it works, you can ask my mechanic, no idea how it works, and then I can just go wherever I want. I'm telling you, I'm all for science, right? Most of us just do this. Seriously, 244 a gallon, Ugh. But think of the science. And what does that science do? Like, what does your cell phone do? 
it helps give you control over your world, does it not? Every time Steve Jobs or Tim Cook, when they do their famous, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your lives. I'm going to give you control over, are you ready for this? Email. How will he do it? Do you understand how, I'm not trying to be derogatory, I'm trying to be very, very clear. Like, what magic said was, let me give you an understanding of the world, and if you just do these things, the world will unfold for you. Religion said, let me tell you, this is what you need to understand, and if you understand this and you act this way, then the world will unfold to you. And we just happen to live in a day and in an age where this is where most of us live. And so we trust science. I do. I trust science. To a point, I guess. There are moments in my life where I'm really grateful for science. I went in, had some medical tests done recently because I'm an old man now. And I, you know how you, I found out how you know you're an old man is when someone comes up and they say to you, is your dad still living? That's when you know you're old. I, I've just noticed recently people are asking me if my parents are still around. <laughs> and I remember going, why are you? Oh, that's right, the gray hair. It makes sense. I know why you're asking that. So I go and I, I have this medical procedure and the doctor says, you're fine. And I went, man, I love science. I love science. Had he said something else? Had he said, hey, listen, like I'm really sorry to tell you, but uh, we don't think we can fix this. No, 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 you're science. <laughs> I need you to fix this. I can't fix it. Re recently, we've been praying for families who just got a call. Um, your husband was killed. Your, your son was killed. No, 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 science. Hold on, hold on, hold on, science. Do you get that there are like limits? There's, there's only so much that we, can, that we can do. There's only so far that we can actually go. And then I've never had anybody say, wow, like um, just got some terrible news about my mother-in-law and we just really need to find a good chemist. We really need to find like a good mathematician. I would even argue, huh, you need more than a pastor. Like you need a savior. See the difference? I don't need David Blaine. I don't even need some Jim Johnson. I need something that is so deep, something that is so real, that it, it supersedes magic. It is much greater than religion, and it is so much more than even the wonderful blessings and limits that come with science. For indeed, I'm actually grateful for those brothers and sisters in Christ who are really gifted, gifted at understanding the world in which we live in, and they see it through Christian scientific eyes. And they know the limitations. Like they know that we need more. And we all do. If we ever sit long enough, if we ever live long enough, if we ever think deep enough, we all kind of walk around and go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need more than my magical way of looking at the world or my religious way of looking at the world or my scientific way of looking at the world. I have a friend named Kevin. Kevin is a very educated, very uh, gifted man. And when I got to know Kevin, I had an opportunity to share the gospel with him time and time and time again. And he grew up in a uh, country that I share with him, the country of our birth, Canada. And uh, he kind of came from that framework where religion was um, almost like magic, to be honest with you. It just seemed more like magic to him. 
And so I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. I'm sharing the truth about who God is and who he is and his need for Jesus. And he was very aware that there might be a God. He was very aware, like there's something that is broken in me. He's very aware that his relationships are, they get off sometimes. And I don't know how to understand this and I can't explain this. And he's too smart to go back to magic and he's too, too doubtful to go into religion. And so he just feels a little bit stuck. And so he kind of thought I was almost like this and I, I really enjoy like talking with you because you're making me think about some things. And, and sometimes you can get stuck just talking about things. I know I can. So finally I knew that like a time needed to come. Like maybe what I'm saying right now, I'm talking to you like I was talking to Kevin. And I finally just said, hey, Kevin, what's it going to take for you to give your life to Jesus Christ? Like we've talked about it and we've talked about it, but what's it going to take for, for you to give your life over to Jesus and he said to me, he said, you know, the problem is, is that like I'm, I'm so educated. He didn't say he was like smart, but you know what he means, right? Like I, I know so much. I've, been, I've studied so much. I'm, a, I'm aware of so much that I feel like, I feel like where I live is solid. And everywhere I go, I feel like it's solid. And I feel like you're asking me to take a step like out into nowhere. Like I feel like you're asking me to walk in the clouds with you or to dance in the, in the air with you. And so it's just hard for me. I know what he means. I would even say that there's a lot of us in this room today that, um, that go to church, uh, maybe even take the Lord's Supper, that, uh, uh, that sing songs to Jesus occasionally or even pray occasionally, but most of it is from here, right? It's from the stuff that's really kind of our experiences, our understanding, something that's really trustworthy, you know? And, and when we ask you to like give your whatever, your children to Jesus, your life to Jesus, you're going, actually, can I, can I just come and watch you talk about that? Because I even like that there are some things that you say that are even helpful for my life, and I'll try to apply those in my own way. But there are lots of people, and, and this is actually how you know you got a little bit of a religious thing and not a Jesus thing, is that you're just kind of walking like this. You might even be married to someone who's walking, and in, this is all, by the way, all in your mind, that you feel like you're walking like this and your wife's kind of dancing in the air. I finally said to Kevin, because I enjoy popping bubbles in people's thoughts, and, and I've had a lot that have done it to me, and I'm grateful for when it, they do it to me. I said, Kevin, you do know you have like a belief system. Like, it's a belief system. Where did we come from? And he had to tell me the story. And I said, yeah, like, I mean, honestly, that's your belief system. And what's going to happen when we die? And he gave me a story. And I said, but how do you know that? And he goes, I don't really know that. Okay, well, then, like, what's the difference between right and wrong? Well, here's what I kind of think it is. But how do you know that? I don't really know if I know that. Like, I just, I guess I don't know. And I said, hey, dude, I'm just telling you. We're both dancing on, in the clouds. Now, I believe because of this book that I believe in and this God that I believe in and the spirit that now dwells in me, I believe that there will come a day when we will know. The Bible talks often of this day. A, come, a day when, when we will know whether or not these things are true. And at that moment, you'll find out whether or not you were good enough and whether God believed or God accepted your intentions. At that moment, you'll know. I'm just asking you, you're basing your eternal existence on this. And your belief about intentions and your belief about like, you're basing it all. So at best, dude, we're both in the, in the sky. And I can't repeat what he said after that. 
But he did kind of look over the side where we were eating at the ground beneath him and went, oh, and I'll just kind of put it in a Christian vernacular, that is not good news for me. And months later, months later, I wasn't even there when it happened. He gave his life to Christ. And now he's living his life following Jesus Christ. And it's complicated. He was diagnosed with uh, MS. That was hard. And then his son was diagnosed with MS, and that was hard. And, And they needed a way of understanding why all of this is happening to them. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they found it. In the truth about who God is, they found it. Now do you see why, like, magic and religion and science kind of have some similarities to them? I know there's one that you're really biased towards. I get it. Me too. Magic. It's so beautiful. And what you can't do with just, are you ready? Like, this is just abracadabra. Like, there's even a great song with that title. Like, I get it. Oh, for you, it's religion. It's about being a good person and doing your best. Oh, like, oh, for you, it's science. I'm sorry, I guess I thought. And that's the world that we hit. That's the world we collide with in Acts 19. And, and I'm just asking you to, to not put on the I'm smarter than you cap first. But in this text, we actually see the gospel, the words of Paul, the miracles that God does through Paul they, they collide into this world, and, and what's at stake is what's really real. That's what's at stake. What is really real? What is really true? We see a number of these encounters, but the ones that really match this one, we see one in Acts chapter 8, where a magician known as Simon Magnus is doing these really amazing magical tricks, and then Peter comes in and does something that makes Simon go, I don't think I'm really good at what I do. Think about it. If Simon was able to do what Peter could do, why would he try to buy the Holy Spirit? Something's different about that. How much? How much? I'll I'll buy it off you. I'd like to have that spirit thing. And what does Peter say? May you perish. May you go to hell with all of your money. And he's not saying it flippantly. He's saying it literally. May you and your money be damned. You thought that you could buy the power of God. See, that's what counterfeiters do. They recognize what you have is not what I have. How much? There's a slave girl in Acts chapter 16. And she's able to do these things. And she's even talking about Paul. And Paul is walking around. And here is someone who comes. And and Paul's, weirdly enough, like Paul is really bothered by what she's saying. And he turns around. And there's this this power struggle, I guess, right? And he, he just casts whatever is in this girl out, out of her. And now she's a different person. It's almost like those with real power in the Bible. You want to do this? We can do this. Moses and Pharaoh's magicians. The prophets of Baal and Elijah. Okay, something is really different about you, Elijah. Yeah, I know. That's because what I'm touching is real. There's something different about you, Moses and Aaron. Yeah, I know. It's because we're not magicians. Like we're talking about the power of God. And that's what this text gives us. 
Now, I, I, what, what makes it so strange for me is, is that I read a text like this. Notice how the text begins. And they were, they were doing at the hands of Paul these extraordinary, that's our word that we actually have in number translations uses, our extraordinary signs, these miracles that are actually happening. Think about it. What kind of miracles are just ordinary? Well, I'll be honest with you. Even like raising from the dead seems ordinary in the New Testament. Not, not that it happened all the time, but oh yeah, it happened to Lazarus and Jairus' daughter, and then they did it to Jesus, although that one's a little bit different. But then it happened to Tabitha, and then it's going to happen a little bit with Eutychus. So yeah, it's going to happen a number of times. What is extraordinary? Literally, the, word, the Greek says, um, not, not normal or not ordinarily attained, actually, is what, the, what, what it's trying to get across. And, and here's what they are. There's two encounters in the book of Acts. One is in Acts 3, where Peter is walking and his shadow heals people. Okay, that's weird. It happened, but the shadow. And then here in this one, the not ordinary is that the handkerchiefs and the aprons of the Apostle Paul are given to people and they are carried to them. And because they came from the Apostle Paul, they healed people. Wow. Is there anybody else that goes, that sounds like magic? Oh, just me? Ooh, that's always awkward when you're the pastor. Just sounds weird. But it's true. Like if you ask me if I believe it, I go, yeah, I believe it. Like, I believe it happened. Just like raising Jesus from the dead, feeding 5,000. I believe it. You might say, well, you don't understand science. Okay, and I would say, and I mean this kindly, you don't understand the power of God. Like, if God made the world, Paul's handkerchief is like a small thing, correct? Speaking stars and universes into existence. Like these are amazing things that have happened in this very complicated city. We'll watch it unfold even next week, where everybody's answers to how the world is and how every, everybody's answers get silenced in presence of the truth about who God is and his power that happens. But where you and I have struggle is that there is something alluring. There is a lure to artificial and counterfeit things. I would argue that many of us are just easily satisfied, too easily. When I was in high school, our, uh, for some reason, our high school thought it was a good idea to take 16, 17, 18-year-old children to Bangkok and to, uh, to Singapore and to just kind of let them run wild. And my parents said I wasn't allowed to go because they loved me, and um, it always bothered me because I heard about these great stories, and some of them... I, I could actually be involved with, but then most of them I shouldn't have been. And I'm hearing these amazing stories, but some of the coolest things that I could actually, you know, get excited about was they came back with like a whole row of watches. And guess what? They're all Gucci. Seriously. How'd you get that many? And Rolex. How did you, I didn't even know how much they were in real life, right? How much? I'll tell you one for 10 bucks. 10 bucks, Gucci watch. I figured they might have been 20. So I was getting a good deal, right? Rolex, 50 bucks. No way, they're usually $100. I'll take one, you know? And I was excited. I'll take one of each, please. And they lasted almost a week. And from a distance, you couldn't tell the difference. 
Do you guys ever remember? Do you remember that when you found out you could get fake stuff for like a cheap price and it didn't matter to you? Like there was a time it didn't matter to me. I didn't care that it was fake. And as long as I could keep you at like 40 feet, you were impressed with me, right? And all my, look at that, look at that Gucci watch. It's not, you had to tell them, right? It's not real. We knew, you're, you're 16. We knew that wasn't a Rolex, actually. There is an uh, alluring feature. There is a, uh, an attractiveness to that which can be counterfeit or artificial. And that's why we shouldn't be too surprised that things like magic, I'm speaking first century understanding, magic, um, religion, and science can be really satisfying. It can answer enough for you. It can satisfy enough for you so that you will be able to go through life and kind of look around and go, I think I'm kind of like everybody else. And so I'm fine. And never have to deal with the real. And that's what's happening in this text. Notice in verses 13 through 16, what we actually see happening is when all of a sudden, these sons of Sceva, uh, the, the, who's, a, who's a high priest, all of a sudden we actually find out what happens when that which is artificial comes across that which is real? In verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus, right? Like, hear me. What they actually hear is abracadabra. Hey, like, what's interesting is if they're running around casting out demons, which, by the way, Jesus said that, like, Satan can't cast out demons. Jesus made that very clear. If you're saying that I have Satan in me and I'm casting out demons and we all know that a house divided itself can't stand, Jesus pointed that out. So whatever it is they were doing, I don't know what they were doing, but whatever it is that they were doing, when they saw Paul do it, they went, I want some of that, kind of like Simon Magnus. Like I'm, I'm beginning to see that my Gucci looks silly. And so what do these men decide to do? They decide to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And notice how they say it. This is how you know that you've got like a religious, it's, it's, it's not like a prayer that really comes from you. It's just something that you've heard. And look at this. I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Really? I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, that's a, a, a word that really means like a, a deep sense of, of, uh, of, uh, of communion with. It's the it's Greek word that's it's describing, yeah, like I know them intimately. So Jesus I know and, and Paul I recognize. It's a different word. It's kind of like the word that is used in the book of Acts that I've heard other people talk about it and so I go along with it. Jesus I know, Paul I hear about. It's a little bit like saying Jesus is really the big deal. Paul's a pretty good guy, which Paul would say that's the way it should be. And this is what they are saying. Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit lived leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house 
naked and wounded. And that's what happens when the artificial meets the real, where the counterfeit is exposed. See, the power of God cannot be manipulated, cannot be used for our own good pleasure, cannot be used for our own good purpose. That is not what the power of God is for. And I love stories like this because they remind me of just how real the world is, even though this world looks different than mine, even though this one is different than mine. I love stories like this or Moses and Aaron and their, and their, uh, their standoff with the uh, Egyptian uh, magicians or Elijah on Mount Carmel, Jesus with the Pharisees, all of these opportunities where Jesus is, I, I, I forgive your sins. Who can forgive these sins? Well, so that you might know that I have the power to forgive sins. Take up your bed and walk. And he stands up and he leaves, and everybody just stops and goes, okay, maybe he can forgive sins. Look at what he just did. And I would even encourage us as a church to to recognize that the eternal power of God is not limited by our education, that the power of God and the manifestation of his goodness displayed at his prerogative um, for his pleasure is still real and true today. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but I haven't seen it like they have back then. Okay. Still doesn't make it real. Still doesn't make it not real or not true. You know how many people in the world just have a hard time believing of the world that you and I live in? Not that many years ago, Paul where I, uh, Paul and I were in, uh, in Ghana and we were there. Remember that tree in Bongo? There was this tree And just the way that it was and kind of how it worked, it kind of stood at this intersection. And this tree was where they believed there was a portal into the the next world. And they they, they practiced all these. And they would think what you and I believe is crazy. I love how the Bible comes and, and, and confronts all of our biases and prejudices. And if there's one thing I believe... It is the power and the goodness of God at all times to accomplish all of his purposes. And I know a lot of Christian people that play games with that. Well, I don't know if that'll happen today or if it will, it'll happen this way. And I just always remind people, be very, very careful speaking for God. Because every time we try to create some magical potion, like Christians do this. You know if you say it this way, and they even try to use this as an example. You know if you use this rag, it's described in Acts 19. Yeah, but it's still acting as though you're the one manipulating. You're the one controlling. You know what there was in this? No confusion. And there are a lot of us that are deciding to make kind of a religious system that appeases us. A great, great, great video that came out recently called The American Gospel. And there are lots, sadly enough, from this country that are going around the world and they are are promising people health and prosperity if you just... Oh, not abracadabra, that would be so silly. If I just used in the name of Jesus? Yeah, these guys tried that. How did it work for them? Do you get that Jesus' name is not to be messed with? And you get that the power of God can never be denied. That's what this text gives to us. And we need to be aware. Like, this is no small matter. This is real. This is God's activity alive and real in the world. And then it gives us this incredible picture of a kind of a satisfaction that then comes from the genuine 
experience of God. Now, by the way, a lot of that, it goes through these uh, amazing miracles, these extraordinary miracles that happened. But if you look at the last verse of our text, you'll find out that it wasn't just miracles. And it wasn't just miracles that happened to individuals that convinced them. By the way, if you think miracles are it, you do realize that the majority of people that walked through the Dead Sea died before they got into the Holy Land because they were disobedient to God. You do realize that there were lots of people that saw the miracles of Jesus. Jesus, they, 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 they watched the raising of Lazarus and their response is, crucify him, crucify him. And actually, the text ends with Luke drawing to the point that it's, it's not the miracles themselves. Jesus even said, it's not the miracles that you should trust. Like, they're helpful, but you want to know what you need to trust, and he keeps pointing to himself. Believe in me. Trust in me. That is when you know you've touched the true and the real. So watch how this unfolds in verses 17 through 20. And, there, and this became known, what happened to the sons of Sceva, and this became known to all the residents in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord Jesus, was extolled, was honored. Man, we're not going to use that like an abracadabra. We're not going to treat God like a, like a, 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 ma a magic uh, rabbit's foot. You know what it is. You got the Holy Spirit and then that whole step on a crack and you break your mother's back. You got to be careful. No, those aren't the same thing at all. And the name of Jesus was extolled, was honored. And also many of those who were, look at this, who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices and a number of those had practiced magic arts. They brought their books together and they burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it was 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. What did? The miraculous handkerchief ministry of Paul. No. Nowhere does, does, nowhere does that become the centerpiece. The centerpiece is what? The word of the Lord prevailed mightily. Because even Paul would say, it is just by the grace of God and the prerogative of God that that piece of cloth that was given to you has provided anything for you. It is just a God's prerogative. When you take that cloth and you turn it into a, um, a in the name of Jesus, you're a fool. It is the power of God that should not be trifled with. It is the name of Jesus that should be honored. Above all things. Like I would never buy a fake Gucci watch. I never would. What's interesting is, is that you could even come and say to me, yeah, but I'll sell it to you for like 20 bucks. And how many of you just go, yeah, but that's a waste of 20 bucks. Like if my friends saw that, they would think I was a fool. And, and yet many of us hold on to like religious systems or ways of looking at the world that don't measure up to the power and the majesty and the greatness of God. And just like I said to Kevin that day, I want to say to you, what is to keep you from experiencing the true power and the true might of a loving and powerful and eternal God?
I know. I, I, get, I really do. You feel like I'm asking you to take a leap of faith. I am. <laughs> I'm not even going to apologize for it. But that leap of faith has been trusted by many. And I would even argue that there will be more moments in your life where you will understand the full weight of the reality of God. And I ask you to trust it. And I ask you to believe in it. Because there will come a day when all religion will fail to deliver and all magic will just seem like child's play and even the best of science will just sit in silence. I don't know how to explain this. And God will still speak. Let us pray. God, I thank you for the reality of the greatness of who you are, for the bigness of your plan and purpose. God, for the ability for a young girl like Elle and an old man like me to find hope in Jesus Christ. God, for um, the smartest in the world to reject and the simplest of this world to accept Jesus as Savior, or sometimes even vice versa. God, I'm grateful for the reality of you, for you making yourself known. Father, I pray that in any way, according to your purposes and for your glory, reveal yourselves to us. Be true to us in your word as you have promised. And may we experience a way of living, a joy unspeakable. May we know you, for you are real. Father, forgive us of, uh, of being impressed by counterfeits, being satisfied by that which is not real and true. Lead us to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.